oh wait but there is so much weight of the responsibility and not leading questions and probing for the right part and always managing the complexity of understanding the people and understanding the goals and stuff oh my god it's so much more complicated than I thought now I'm not excited now I'm more worried maybe I'm not the right person to do this so maybe this more professional UX researcher will better do this Hi everyone and welcome on a new episode of Onyx UX Talks. I'm Ioana and as usual I'm joined by Anfisa and we today we try to tackle a very um, interesting and honest conversation about UX design um, and that is exploring the least favorite parts of the process or the less juicy or engaging stuff that we do as UX designers. This is an interesting topic that was submitted by one of our listeners. Thank you so much for that. And so we're going to try to give our, our own perspectives on on what's exciting, what is not, what, what we like and what we don't like that much. So with this intro, I'm going to just stop for a moment to uh, thank UX Tweak for supporting our uh, honest conversations. We really uh, were really happy that this episode is the fourth episode that's powered by UX Tweak. Uh, UX Tweak is a platform for uh, usability testing where you can really tweak, <laughs> uh, find the information you need in order to tweak your products and make them better and understand your users. And I'm going to just share briefly one of the features that I like most about the UX tweak. It's actually the screen recording functionality. And it's, it's basically a feature that gives you a, a reproduction of how your users interact with your website or web app. And so the session replay portrays everything exactly uh, like the user was seeing and experiencing it. And I think that this very immersive way of putting yourself in the user's shoes as to actually see what he's seeing and, and do what he's doing and experience what he's experienced is extremely powerful as a research effort. The session captures movements between different pages, the clicks, the movements of the cursor, scrolling, tapping, dragging the cursor, typing, and everything that the user does. And you get a lot of information that you can interpret and use in uh, improving your product, which I think it's the goal of any UX designer. So yeah, I would say uh, if you haven't explored this uh, this type of feature in the past go to uxtweak.com I think they have a trial account where you can just try out some of the features and see for yourself and I'm, I'm actually super excited anytime I get the opportunity of recommending tools that I believe in <laughs> and um, yeah and also thank you uxtweak for supporting us with, uh, with our honest conversations and speaking of honest conversations I'm gonna go ahead and invite Amfisa maybe to share a bit about how her week went or how her past weeks were <laughs> all right yeah that's actually something we haven't done in a while so wow now this question kind of caught me off guard <laughs> i haven't been preparing i think from my perspective so recently i was taking actually i was traveling which is really great <laughs> that's just something i really really enjoyed we recently bought a car for the first time in my life and so we had like the first uh, family car trip we went to Italy, to the Tyrol and uh, Dolomites. It's a really beautiful place. It was just like, poof, it's amazing. Something you needed so much. So it was fantastic. Um, but then I think uh, last two weeks, I also have two NNG courses, uh, which was pretty, pretty interesting. Uh, so this is, if you don't know, NNG is a very... Uh, 
as powerful UX organization. They run a lot of research among um, UX practitioners. They collect answers, they run tests, they try to figure out the best practices for UX designers. And they also have courses, which are pretty costly. So I was taking two courses this, this fall, and one of them was very basic as for me personally, because I felt like I knew 99% of it and I kind of was bored on the course. <laughs> so if you're feeling like you're a sort of mature designer, um, I mean, I mean, just not every course would be great for you. And if you want, just DM me, I'll, I'll let you know what course I took. And then there was a second course, which was all about statistics. And that's where I felt like a like a horrible, horrible, stupid person. It was horrible because I was not expecting this level of math <laughs> in the course. It was an evening course on Friday from 5 p.m. to 11 p.m. I was totally dead from the working week. And then um, I was expecting to have again lightweighted course in the design framing where we would just do some very light tasks that the trainer will explain us in a very basic, um, maybe association level, some concepts. And it was just math, 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 math. Because I think in like, I don't know, five hours or six hours was the course, we did more than 20 math exercises. There was algorithms, there was all the statistical significance, confidence levels, calculations. And for me, I was very, very bad at math. So when I jumped on the course, I realized I'll never be able to pass it. And it was a bit frustrating because I expected a bit more mercy <laughs> to us designers. So it's an interesting experience. Um, yes, if you want more feedback, just reach out to me in Instagram and DM and I'll give you more insights on the courses if you're interested or co considering taking the courses. But other than that, all is fine. Um, like usual, pretty busy with work, pretty busy with content planning and creation with supporting the students, trying to reply timely to all the questions and jump on the calls if needed. So just all that buzz that is usually happening. How about you? How's your weeks been? <laughs> First, I want to say that I feel the same way about the Nielsen Norman courses. I'm so uh, liberated by the fact that you've you have had a similar experience. And I feel like I'm not crazy <laughs> when I say that some of the courses um, felt pretty basic. So if you want, if you're a senior or a mid, a mid to senior designer, then probably you might want to consider other types of design education that are a bit more, um, have more complexity or they're not as um, basic if you want. For example, the experience that I had was that I took the five days management track because I wanted to get a UX management certification and I went in London for a week to attend uh, the workshops on a daily basis. And there was this one course that was so basic that it was incredible that they would add it to a management uh, track because obviously if you go into this particular so I, I think that courses for junior designers are in, are incredibly useful and definitely I would encourage any company and Nielsen Norman they're, they're like a uh, an authority in the industry yes definitely have courses for junior designers but don't put them in the UX management track because that won't be your persona so the people who pursue that particular track they need something more sophisticated so I even had people uh, there was this one uh, a friend of mine working at Google that left from that workshop he switched it like after one hour he said okay I'm gonna pursue another course today this is just not okay and so yeah some things uh, I've, I've also had interesting experiences it was my second time going at um, the Nielsen Norman conference in person attending the workshops and um, 
and pursuing education with them. Of course, I also learned a lot. It's really a fantastic networking opportunity. I think it's a topic that it's really interesting. Maybe, maybe, Anfisa, we will make an, an episode where we discuss our own UX education. And uh, we've talked about education for junior designers, but what about opportunities for senior designers? I've always been so confused about that. Okay, so <laughs> with that being said, uh, yeah, my weeks... My weeks are pretty much, so my baby turned one. Uh, my dear Mia is now not a baby anymore. She's a toddler and uh, it was a, a call for celebration. And I can't believe how this year went by because I also have my professional baby, the UX Bootcamp. And I can't believe that both <laughs> my real baby and my professional baby grew so fast. Um, it's, been, uh, it's been a fantastic year, extremely exhausting. I can't wait for Christmas to come and, and hopefully I can just sit and do nothing for at least a week. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, um, it's been an interesting time. Again, I'm very, very immersed in the bootcamp space. We're trying to uh, announce some exciting partnerships that we are um, currently finalizing. And we have a lot of surprises in store. And we're hoping to grow the bootcamp as much as possible and have more people transition into the UX industry in a better way. And so that's, that's what I'm doing with most of my time raising babies, um, both professionally and personally. So... With that being said, let's jump into the topic as we want to make the most out of the time we have available. And to remind everyone, today we're talking about our least favorite design uh, parts. And a short intro before I jump to the first question is that in our UX bootcamp, I have a couple of mentees that I'm helping, I'm supporting with their learning journey. And it's really interesting that one of my mentees recently, she went through all the activities and all the assignments and all the curriculum. And at some points, the assignments felt like they're not as fun as she imagined, that the design work is not always as fun as, as she thought it would be. It's not just like post-its and, and talking to people and having fun and doing something that's not frustrating at all and so for her it was like like falling from the heaven if uh, if that's a biblical reference I'm uh, I'm allowed to make and it was really interesting to observe that because it, it was something that I also experienced in my design career personally and I think that all designers experience at some point that you go in with enormous enthusiasm and you're so happy and you think you're going to be doing things that are so meaningful and always exciting and rewarding and wow so much newness and so, so much coolness and so much fun and then you have to do work that's sometimes frustrating difficult it feels like you're you're working in the weeds sometimes doing a lot of um menial tasks like i don't know looking at excels with all the data you've gathered and trying to make something of all the data that came out of research and and navigating large amounts of uh, of information and so sometimes design work is definitely not very fun so but it was really nice to see my mentee having this realization and still her uh, managing to like understand that Probably there is no job in the world that is just rewarding all the time. So there is no such thing that's more than utopic. It's, it's probably insane. So every, every, every career you will pursue will have moments when you will feel like, 
mm, maybe I don't like this part that much or this part frustrates me or I wish this part wasn't there in my in my work but it's there and you have to learn to embrace it and work with it and accept that it's just a reality of life and so she became um, equally enthusiastic but more aware of what the design work actually entails and what it what it is to be a designer in the real world and she accepted and she's uh, as enthusiastic as in day one which made me happy and made me also relate to my early days as a designer when I had like this sort of minor disappointments here and there oh this is not fun this is not fun <laughs> and then I was able to regain enthusiasm and regain the, the drive to do things so with this not very short intro sorry <laughs> uh, I want to ask you Anfisa do designers love every part of the design process? What has been your personal experience? What do you know by talking to other designers? So do we like everything we do? <laughs> oh, I don't think so. However, I feel like it's a very personal question. I mean, it's it's personal to different people, right? If we we'll zoom out and look at it generally talking, I think it would really depend on the comfort level you have um, in regards to your background. For example, if you are coming from engineering background, maybe I'm much more comfortable with design systems and UI and deliverables. But when it comes to maybe research or I don't know, interviewing users, maybe this is, would be something that is more challenging to you. Not to say that challenging means uh, less likable or something, but it's more challenging, meaning that it's more hard and you definitely need to overcome it to start feeling comfortable about it. So I think maybe it's not that it's not favorite part or harder part, it's just more challenging part that you definitely need to learn to be comfortable with. You need to practice, hone it, figure it out, get used to it, I guess. So I think it really depends on your background level. When I look back, when I was having mentoring programs with my students, and for those of you who don't know, um, for two years, I was having mentoring programs with the students of my course. I think we had around eight batches of, of groups. And uh, every time it was two main parts, actually, no matter what background it is for the student, no matter what, you know, and the students were really different. Some of them, again, were more, is it the word humanitarian? We use this word when we say that you're more into, I don't know, literature and understanding people and reading and stuff versus mathematical thinking person. So it doesn't really matter what background this person was or what kind of thinking mentality that the person had. But two main parts that stuck out for me when I looked into their journeys was one is design briefs. So once you do the research part, and we actually do a lot of research in my, in my program, so um, that's where the complexity comes from. But when they started analyzing this data and putting this into cohesive little brief in two pages, that's where it seemed to be the most challenging part. And most of the people would struggle there. Of course, we try to break it down into different uh, deliverables, such as user stories and personas and journey mappings and problem statements and all that. But when it has to be just one problem statement in front of your eyes, what are you focusing for the design part? It was always the hardest part. People never knew what to prioritize, how to pick, what insights are most important, what are least important and all of that. So that seemed to be analyzing parts, I guess, would be my answer. And the second part was, if you look into design, double diamond process, a second diamond, it would be also when you have brainstorm on the ideas and if you figured out the concepts and you uh, kind of prioritized the concept and started working on them. And then when it comes to actually 
uh, building these products would be with design patterns, best practices, all of that. That's most where most of my students would start struggling again um, for a couple of reasons. First, not everybody would know design programs. Many people would not have this eye on the details on understanding what's the best pattern here. How do you uh, pick the most common interaction that users are used to and all of that. And, you know, it's just that you still, most of the time people just didn't have this, I guess, experience of analyzing in many different patterns and figuring out what's the most common convenient way for users to use it. So that's where I feel like, again, the complexity grows because you have to suddenly analyze way too many patterns and figure out what's the best approach for your particular challenge. And again, put it on a paper and sometimes in a design tool and that's where they would struggle. Uh, but again, that's that's particular steps I've noticed. Um, and I think it really depends on the program you're running. If maybe your program is more focused on prototyping, that's not the challenges you'll be facing, right? If you already have basics of prototyping covered. But for, for my program, it's really more focused on the research and analyzing data and conceptualizing. So these two parts are very, really particularly hard. <laughs> wow, those are very valuable insights. So I just want to quickly build on top of, um, of what you just said. By mentoring my students and also by talking with so many people via UX goodies, um, I feel that I've learned that there's so much diversity in terms of what people like and dislike. And so there's not one, one common usual suspect of uh, the activity that all designers hate. Uh, I think that it, it's very personal. It's very much, um, it depends on your background, on your personality, on, on what you like and what you don't like in general and so on. So it's, it's really personal. So on that note, on that very personal note, what is in your case? on visa something that you don't like about the design process <laughs> i think right now if i just close my eyes and think what comes top mind um i would say like many people would probably answer lack of clarity like we established in a previous episode we work in a pretty complex products big companies a lot of a lot of opinions a lot of a lot of perspectives a lot of a lot of priorities all of that and sometimes it's very hard to just get any sort of clarity so for me moving in the dark, even though it usually results being very rewarding experience. Uh, in the moment when you're doing this, it's very, very hard. It's hard to breathe. You feel like frustrated and maybe sometimes even desperate. You, it's just like, it's very hard to manage the darkness. There is this effort list item. You don't know what it means. You need to talk to right people. They're busy. You need to run and chase them and understand what are we talking here about? Get any references, understand the needs, the problems, uh, understand who are the key role players here, the actors, like you said in a previous episode, the, the, the map, the gaps, uh, trying to understand what are we building here, trying to know what questions to ask, because even that's the question. How do you know, how do you ask all the right questions if you don't even know what we are talking here about? So all of that. So this darkness in the beginning is one of the most challenging parts for me. Not to say that I don't like it. Usually when I look back on my experiences, I would say I learn a lot from them. I grow a lot as a designer and next time I feel much more confident and um, know how to prevent those things or how to optimize those processes better. But in a moment, it's always very hard. And I'm like, oh, no, not again. It's horrible. <laughs> like all those emotions, like the frustrations. If you look into the my user journey map, there will be usually a lot of uh, negative emojis there. <laughs> but also uh, another part, which I usually struggle a lot or a little, depends on the project, would be uh, to manage the feedback. 
um, when, with my practice, I've learned to love the feedback. I've learned to look at negative feedback from the positive perspective. So when I receive negative feedback, I'm always excited. However, uh, one challenge I'm still facing right now is managing feedback on different levels. So again, in the bigger companies, you have many teams and not all of them will have a time for you in one particular week to jump onto your prototype and leave you a feedback. So some of them will be able to join on the check-in meetings and give you the ad hoc feedback, which not always will be structured. Sometimes you'll run the workshop and ask people on the meeting to jump on a Figma file and leave the stickies after your presentation. And sometimes you will uh, just have the prototype link right in the Slack channel and random people will pop over and leave random notes and you're like, ah, this is not the right time. We already moved on. It's not. Ah. So it's this, again, complexity and communication and always managing the feedback. And sometimes you're like delivering it already. You have one sprint left and you need to make sure it's done and it's ready and you're just supporting the, the implementation. But then there is another nice idea pops up in your Figma file and you're like, ah, I hate this, these comments and makes me like my eye is ticking. <laughs> It's, it's making me anxious. So managing feedback in the complex projects, in the complex teams with too many perspectives, too many stakeholders. Sometimes stakeholders are not key, but just random people from the outside who just happen to saw your prototype in a Slack channel with 500 people and jumped in and left you some comments. It's always great to hear the perspectives, but they need to be made in the right time when you're seeking for the feedback and you're still having energy and capacity or scope time uh, for organizing this feedback and prioritizing the most important bullet points. That's still where most of the, I guess, nerves are wasted. <laughs> yep. Uh, how about you? <laughs> Tell us about your experience. I would say that in, in my own personal experience, typically I would use the double diamond to illustrate my own um, customer journey, <laughs> my own journey through the design process. So using the double diamond, uh, typically, I'm extremely excited every time I have to diverge on my product, on my project. So I'm really, really happy in the beginning when I have to do all the discovery work and uncover all the unknowns and understand what are the known unknowns and unknown unknowns and everything. And that's so exciting. And talking to people, meeting them, un uncovering their needs, mapping stakeholders. Um, and so on. So all the discovery work, all the diverging work typically gets me extremely excited. I love it. Even in the solution space, when I start diverging and exploring potential solutions, sketching, brainstorming, ideating in different forms that I love completely. But <laughs> um, um, conversely, I'm not a big fan of having to converge because that means that I have to navigate a large amount of information, a large amount of data. I have to make sure that I'm not leaving anything out, that I'm extracting the essential, that I'm extracting the most meaningful parts, that I'm not missing something that's critical. And it's just a cognitive effort all the time to make something out of everything that comes up in the research, uh, in, in the discovery phase, and then again in the solution exploration uh, space. And, and then every time I have to go back and, and choose one point that's essential, choose one thing, one solution that captures all the insights and captures all the work that was done up to that point, that's such an immense pressure all the time. It tires me. I like it. I like it when it's over. I feel like I have something to celebrate. But at the same time, I mean, it's challenging. Sometimes it's exciting, but sometimes it's just draining. And another thing that is sometimes draining for me in the design process is when 
when I even so for with the handoff uh, part handoff to development I have a similar uh, relationship so in the beginning that's really exciting and when it starts so I go to the developers or I use Figma or I use whatever handoff tool to like tell them hey here's the solution I present it I articulate the reasons behind all my design decisions I explain why it looks like that what what's the behavior how so everything is happy 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 very happy and then all the questions start to emerge and they never end for a while that's the feeling that I have so however well documented my solution is I always leave something out I don't know if there's a designer in the world that covers everything they have to cover when they hand off the solution to the developers sometimes I miss some I don't know edge cases or or situations or or use cases that I haven't considered that probably that's that's something that ideally designers would have to do 100% so you have to have everything covered because that means that you did your design job well and that you explored every every particular case or every specific uh, case of, of use case for that product but but for me I've never been able to be completely completely efficient on that part and cover everything so all the time when I do the handoff process these things come out either in development or sometimes in QA not, but more in development quite earlier not not it, it doesn't take that long for them to appear and so they emerge and they come up as questions and they come up as a revisiting of the solution and there's this ongoing back and forth and and they ask the question and then I have to revisit everything and make sure that it it still works and and make sure and find a way that uh, to to incorporate the thing that's missing that doesn't alter the solution and so it's it's really really and and sometimes it feels like it's never going to end that conversation so it feels like I'm done okay I'm done I fixed this thing and then another thing comes up and okay okay and then you take that one and you do it and you think you're done and you want to celebrate the end of that project and then the developer comes back or I don't know and sometimes that happens after you launch the product many times it happens that you launch and that but that's fun I like launching the product and then spotting the things that we didn't spot and understanding what we can do better after launch that's normal that's natural that's part of the UX job actually monitoring how the solution is performing and continuously improving it so the design work is not over when you hand it over to the developers it continues even post the product launch but that's that's fun what for me what's not fun is like when both me and the developers feel like it's never going to be over (laughs) so that's a moment that I've experienced a couple of times in my work so far and yeah, that's uh, that's my personal thing. But you, you, you actually, you can't know it. I mean, for me personally, it's impossible to know, especially before developers start working. Like all the edge cases, I don't know if it's possible to spot them all because most of the time, if design, design is static, okay, that's probably possible, but it, most of the times it's dynamic. And for example, recently we were working on the effort um, around federated ser- search really complex topic it's impossible to design how people will be searching and all unknowns and unknowns how people mental models of the people how they search how they look for answers uh, intentions behind it it's impossible to see or design for right away it's like until you see it developed even like basically it's impossible to pr- uh, predict all the edge cases so i think it's it's a normal part of it. you can't have it done when you present it it's always 
a collaboration with you and developer once it starts building up and you start spotting new edge cases and you start simulating the reality and realizing, oh, here is another edge case, another edge case. And it's just, it's always ongoing. I think it's normal. Maybe it's another step in the process we not always cover, but I think it's important step anyways for at least the dynamic parts of our design work. <laughs> Definitely. I've learned to, I've learned to stop worrying and love the bomb. I've embraced it. I'm, I'm now uh, very, very uh, at peace with this process, the friction. It's a healthy friction. It's a healthy uh, refining, fine tuning that you do at the end. And like you say, it's probably impossible for the designer to like uh, cover everything however thorough and rigorous he's in the process some things will probably be left out and that's that's how things uh, how things are and yeah um I'm, I'm but i have another interesting spin on our conversation that i would like to explore um for me personally that was the case i'm curious to hear if it was the same for you um have have the parts that you like less or like more changed over time because for me it was like in the beginning there were some parts that I completely didn't like but now I like them and the other way around so has has this changed do you see any evolution or transformation in terms of um, what you do not like uh, what you find frustrating in the design process yeah definitely um Obviously, our journey is also dynamic and we grow and we learn like we enter the profession with one level of confidence in one part of the design. Probably every time we have, you know, for example, my story was that I joined UX design industry because I was excited about the collaboration and having, um, I mean, I mentioned the story many times, but I was in the hackathon and I was excited about collaborating with all those multidisciplinary people in the same room, whiteboarding and stuff. And then as I started, you know, working on different projects, I realized, oh, that's not always the case. Not always you will have people being with you on the same room, especially right now <laughs> in the remote world. Uh, we only we only have mirror left <laughs> to do the whiteboard and stuff together. And it's not the same dynamic. It's not that you can share stupid jokes with each other and laugh and uh, I don't know, just have this normal people time. So. Um, yeah, a lot of things has changed, first of all, because I've been in the industry for 10 years and I was evolving in, in different stages. In the beginning, maybe I liked certain parts and I didn't like other parts, but now I have totally different perspective because in the past I was working more with the startups. The dynamic of work was different. And that's when I had more chances to be in the same room with people and brainstorming over the whiteboard. But then I moved to this corporation world, working with many, many people and working remotely and online. And it's totally different dynamic. And so now um, I'm trying to enjoy or kind of notice the things I really like still, because even though I cannot have my dopamines and working with the people under this in the same room, I, I I start realizing I have other things I really like. So, for example, I do really like the the sketching part, the brainstorming part. Also, I really like to start the project project when you at least have some answers from your stakeholders and you know what you're trying to build. What's the problem there? If you have some basic answers, you know now we need to start and research. Um, let's say 
address the gaps that you have in your knowledge, right? So you start researching and I really like this part as well. And the brainstorming part on the sketching stage, also really, really love it. I really, really love our, um, we have this innovation project in between our working periods. It's three weeks and we would usually do a lot of hackathons with designers. We would experiment about the vision of the product we are working on. Imagine the perfect world. What if we don't have any constraints and we can do anything? Let's build this perfect tool and then start uh, moving towards the direction step by step if it's possible. So also one thing I really, really love now is, of course, looking at the usability testing results when you are sitting and just like you're having this popcorn moment when you look oh, how people are interacting with the product. Oh my God, how did they think about it? I would never imagine that. <laughs> so it's exciting part for me. Uh, whereas in the past, I guess it was more of collaborating and figuring out together and uh, sharing this responsibility all together collectively and enjoying this moment all together whereas right now we are sitting alone sort of even though we're still working on the same project it just feels more lonely to me personally so that's not the most likable part for me but whatever and so I, if i look again so just to conclude to see what has changed it's hard to grasp because the dynamics of work has changed a lot uh, but i still have a lot of parts that i still like uh, in the design process and i'm still trying to go to the office for some workshopping, at least with some teammates um, to, I guess, to regain <laughs> my favorite parts of the of the design life or design work. But, uh, but it's tricky because to be completely honest, I like everything. <laughs> it's just that there are those moments when you feel a bit more in the dark or more frustrated and unknown how to deal with this but you learn in these moments. So every time you're, you're having challenges, the, the, the key is a perspective, right? Even if it's challenging, it's okay. And um, you, you know that you will learn something from it. And so tomorrow you'll be a better, more mature designer. And um, that's definitely a great feeling to have. It's like this dopamine when, let's say, you were running the marathon and you overcame it, and then you have this dopamine and you're proud of yourself and <laughs> you've, you've become a better person or something. So that's that's how it feels to me. So even though challenges are challenging, I kind of in the end still love him. <laughs> what about your story? <laughs> I think that some things has changed for me as well. I I used to be. For example, and I remember in the early days of my design career, I was extremely um, afraid of team dynamics, like going in meetings with developers, having everybody at the same ta table, getting challenged by the product managers or the, I don't know, business people or the developers. That was so stressful. I hated it. I felt like I'm, I'm like, it, it was a part that I really, really didn't enjoy. And in time, it, it kind of became, become, became one of my favorite parts. It was really interesting. So as I gained experience and as I learned to like trust my um, my my rationale and my my product thinking, my way of thinking, my way of my decision making process, if you want, and problem solving skills, and I I became more confident. Still, of course, I'm I'm always challenged by these conversations, and that's fine, and that that's an opportunity for growing and learning. But for me, in the in the beginning, that was like the most hated part, <laughs> having to to sit down with everybody and discuss. Uh, my design decisions and now I love it now that's like my my probably one of my favorite parts and and that feeling that you have when you when you manage to build at least a temporary a feeling of alignment and 
and and being in sync with the team and everybody pushing in the same direction that's that's like great that's one of the best parts of our work and i hated it in the beginning okay and another thing that i didn't like in the beginning was um doing research directly with the users that was so weird for me because i felt like I'm I'm so focused on all the things that I want to ask that I have to ask. I always go went in prepared with an interview guide, and I felt like oh, I gotta stick to the script. I must make sure I'm not missing anything important. And I was so focused and so tense, and I I was such an unnatural uh, interviewer, and 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 it was just I really didn't like it because I wasn't able to allow myself to like also enjoy that conversation. So yes, you're you're learning, you're observing, you're asking the right questions you're pursuing your research goals it's work but it's also a conversation with another human being and it should be like pleasurable it should be interesting you should be come in with a very curious approach and not not stress too much over the process but enjoy it if you want so this is something that has also changed in the beginning i was like oh if if somebody else could go in and and hope and have the interviews and then and then i would just see the data that come came out of that so that would have been great i would have totally said okay somebody else please do it and um, now I'm like I can't wait for that part of actually talking to users meeting them understanding seeing them in front of you well with the pandemic you're not seeing them in front of you you're seeing in front of the screen but that's also um, a really nice part that I used to hate and now I totally enjoy so as we said I think it can we come back again and again to this point that it's extremely personal it's it depends on where you are in your career of of um of your personality of the things that you've learned of the things that you continue to learn or you want to explore that's also something so there are other things that get me excited because I feel I don't know now than the things that I didn't know five years ago so that this also changes and this also creates things that are interesting and that probably in the past I would just ignore and now they feel like it's really interesting because Now you're talking about the insights, but I was like, when you were talking about <clears throat> interviewing people, for me, it's like total opposite. <laughs> like, I really, really loved it. It was the like one of the most favorite parts for me. And the truth is, I was like this uh, addict for aha moments. I was like, I didn't need to get prepared. I just want to go into the interview and ask the questions. I didn't care about being structured or being not leading or all that. I didn't know the rules. I just wanted to talk to the users like, let me, let me do this. I want to run. <laughs> so I wasn't doing it correctly. I was not, I guess, putting myself into the constraints of how to do it right. Because I was still in the beginning. I didn't care. I was like this freelancer, startupper. Um, In the beginning of my career, I didn't know many rules. And for me, it was always the most exciting part. Just give me the users. I'm going to talk to them. And everybody was pushing me to do this because I was so excited. And it was like, ah, question, question, question. Okay, okay. Tell me about this. Tell me about this. People were already annoyed with so many questions I was asking. But I just couldn't get enough of it. I was addict for those insights. And now, like you said, for you, you turn the tables. For me, it was a turn because right now I feel like, Oh wait, but there is so much weight of the responsibility and not leading questions and pr uh, probing for the right parts and always managing sort of the complexity of understanding the people and understanding the designs and understanding the the goals and stuff. And now I'm like, oh my god, it's so much more complicated than I thought. Now I'm not excited. Now I'm more worried. And now I'm even more sometimes prefer somebody go and does it because I feel like I might not capture all the insight that we need to capture. Maybe I'm not the right person to do this. So maybe this more professional UX researcher will better do this so it's interesting because we had totally opposite stories <laughs> around it 
Yeah, and it goes to confirm our point that it's extremely personal and there is not one thing that all designers hate or, or one thing that all designers love. I think it depends very much on um, each and every person. It's, it's highly personal. So with this um, main idea in mind, let's see if we can uh, uncover a couple of others and other insights or other interesting takeaways that we had from this conversation today. I'm going to allow you and Fisa to go first. <laughs> You started already this most important point, right? It's very personal, depending on where you're moving from, what kind of background you had, what kind of skills, soft skills, transferable skills you have had in your past uh, roles or in general in your life. The most and least favorite parts will probably be dynamic and you'll start from one square and then probably the tables, there is possibility the tables will turn and you love the parts that you hate in the beginning. So it's a dynamic journey and... Um, one thing that actually we didn't talk about here, but <laughs> I think it's still important and we always like to bring it up, is that it's really useful to, um, I guess, reflect on this journey as you go through it, as you try to, um, again, <clears throat> as you practice, as you learn, as you go through the challenges, make sure you have a moment to actually write down things you've learned, things you liked, disliked, things you do different next time, sort of retrospect um, the, the things you're doing because you don't always understand how much you're growing through those challenges and how much you start loving maybe those challenges and how much you're uh, becoming a better designer every time. <clears throat> and so, I mean, another takeaway for me is that you can actually learn to love the hardships, uh, even though, like I said in the beginning, it will be feeling really challenging, really hard, and most likely you'll hate those moments. Um, at the end, you will probably become a better designer and that will probably make you feel better about yourself. And I guess my third takeaway here would be, let me think, let me think. I guess, yeah, I guess my third takeaway is just to embrace it, like with your student example, right? Um, you're entering the profession expecting to like certain things, expecting one thing or another thing, but as you go through the process, it's totally okay to discover that not everything is what you have expected, uh, but just adapting, reflecting and learning. And it's a, it's a journey. So get ready for it. <laughs> it's, it's like embrace this journey, basically. <laughs> what are your top takeaways for today? Oh, it's really hard because since it's so personal, it's hard to have like some objective takeaways or or something that um, what, what I would start with, I, I want to reassure the junior designers out there who are listening and maybe feel like, oh, I would hate to interview people or oh, I would hate to like have to have all the conversations with the developers. I'm not going to pursue the UX career I'm dreaming of because of that. I want to reassure everyone that there is no job out there that doesn't have parts that you will like less or that will feel frustrating or that will feel like you want them to be over with uh, <laughs> as soon as possible. So this is something that you will experience in any career, in any role. I can't think so that thing about uh, find a job you love and you'll never work a day in your life. That's like, yeah, it's true. I mean, it's good to have a job you love, but at the same time, even the job you love will have things that you love less about it and that's that's absolutely natural and normal and this is what uh what i i want to end by encouraging uh, future designers or junior designers who feel like they have this disappointment or this feeling that oh it's not what i thought it would be i would i thought we were gonna sit in a room and run a workshop all the time and everything is gonna be just a continuous design sprint with the post-its and drawing and crazy aids and all the fun things 
it's okay if it's not just that. I mean, it's natural. Work is frustrating for many parts. It, it's, it's intense. It, it requires cognitive effort and con- concentration and, and, I don't know, negotiation skills and conflict management. And that's, that, that, those are all parts of, 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 of uh, any career you will pursue. So, I don't know, maybe except for arts like painting or becoming a painter or a sculptor or something that doesn't involve as much team management or team dynamics. But Oh, I believe they have other challenges, <laughs> not less challenging. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So I think this is one thing that I want to close with. And another thing is that going through the frustrating parts and building this resilience is an important skill life skill and also professional skill so whenever you run into things that you feel you don't like or you don't want to do or you just want them to be over then just celebrate that moment because like you said it's a learning opportunity it's it's an opportunity for growing for understanding yourself better for being able to learn how to control and how to manage yourself and and the the situations that you don't particularly enjoy or that don't come natural uh, to you. So that's actually, I would definitely, without any cliche, I would reframe them as opportunities because that's what they they are. So by looking back at my career, the the most tense moments or the moments where I thought, maybe I'm not cut out to be a designer, I really don't like this. That's where the growth happened um, in the most obvious or accelerated way. So definitely anything you find frustrating about the design process is a is call for reflection and a growth opportunity. So I will take this opportunity to like thank everybody who listened this conversation and invite you to listen to other conversations that we've had. Uh, we have a lot of interesting topics in our in our uh, past uh, episodes and we hope we'll have interesting topics in our future episodes for that please submit your ideas for conversations for honest ux talks let us know what you want us to discuss about it would be really nice if you could leave a review or any sort of sign that somebody enjoys these conversations would also help us stay motivated and uh, i just want to say bye and have a very productive uh time everyone <laughs> <laughs> all righty bye bye